Amen. Good morning, Calvary. Good morning to our online listeners as well. I do want to acknowledge our veterans and say thank you for your service, as was uh, last weekend was Veterans Day. Um, today we are progressing on into the last week of what has been a two-month doctrinal series. Doctrine is a fancy word for the heart of what, the, what we believe concerning Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And so today we're wrapping up the idea of the Holy Spirit. And to set this up, I want to kind of tell you a story of why this is so important, hearkening back to a time when I was a young child. I don't remember exactly how old I was. I, I believe I'd recently gone to what they call a preteen camp. A preteen camp was uh, something you did back in the day, about fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. We went to a place called Mount Lebanon, and we would learn more about God. And, and I remember learning more about my faith I'd grown up in a Christian household. I'd been reading my Bible since the time I was like five years old. I mean, it was one of our chores that we did. And I'm thankful for that. But somewhere along the line at this preteen camp, God began to do something to me, but I didn't know what to do with it. And I remember then following that camp, going to my grandparents' house in Houston, Texas. And I remember a lot about that day, all the way from the red carpet, you know, that tells you how, how old this house was. And the, the red carpet, I remember sitting in my room and, and reading my Bible, and I remember saying, God, I don't want to just do this. I want this to be something that I understand and believe. My prayer for us is that we have that kind of experience, that we come to the place where we understand what it really looks like to follow God. So in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 19, here's my prayer for you. I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with my power in your inner being through his Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and the width and the height and the depth of God's love, and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That is my prayer for you, church, that you would know what it looks like to, to walk and to dwell in the power and in the presence of God, that God would take such a hold of your life that you would begin to grow in such a way that your, your life is spent in the pursuit of knowing Him more. And so, here's my hope. Is today, there's a little spark in some of us that lights a fire in our soul. Like I did in that room in Houston, Texas, when I was around fifth grade. And that you would spend your life chasing after what it looks like to know Him more. Now, as we've been walking through this series, we've been really trying to unpack how that happens. And it's through our understanding of Jesus, looking to Jesus as we allow the Spirit to do work in our lives, interceding on behalf of us before the Father. That's called the Trinity, okay? Now, what we talked about in the way this series started, we start, went all the way back to Ephesians 1, and here was the point of Ephesians 1. Praise be to God. God has always had a plan. His plan was always Jesus. And since 
the beginning of time, when Adam and Eve first ate of that fruit, there was never a plan B. Jesus was the plan A. And all of history is really centered on his story. What Jesus did on the cross for us made a way for us to be back in a right relationship with him. In other words, once we sinned, we became, uh, in this world, we, we had a darkness about us. But the light of the world came. Yes, I know we're about to get to the Christmas season. Get excited, right? And as the Christmas season, we're going to see the candles. The light of the world came. That's the Christmas story. Emmanuel, God is with us. And so we don't have to walk in darkness. Church, that is good news. And that if you give your life to Jesus... You can have a relationship with him by recognizing that he died for you, surrendering your life to him, and, and saying, God, this is my life for you. Now, if you've never done that, I would encourage you, do that. But I also want you to realize there are a lot of people in the church who accept Jesus for the purpose of the next life. And don't allow him to do what he is going to do and wants to do in your life here and now. This is not only a great tragedy, it's a misunderstanding of the way the, the power of God works in our life. Because the idea that we follow Jesus, we are followers making followers of Jesus, it's through Jesus we have not only been adopted, we've not only been redeemed, but we have been given a purpose and sealed through the Holy Spirit. So Jesus doesn't just come to redeem us. That is an amazing gift. The idea of being in right relationship with God of this universe is nothing to be trifled with. But he also came to give us a purpose. And he came to seal us with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you were here when we talked about that, the idea of sealing us with the Holy Spirit is knowing that the Holy Spirit wants to do something in our life. So, to use this candle illustration, here's the way this works. Jesus is like the wick. And when the Holy Spirit starts to illuminate in our life and come alive in our life, it's like the, the wick gets lit. Do you see that? So when the Holy Spirit does its job, there is a brightness to our life, a hope in the midst of a darkness. And this is an amazing gift of God. This is how we know we're sealed. So the way this works is the Holy Spirit is God's presence in us. This is what we talked about two weeks ago. The Holy Spirit is God's presence. The greatest present you can ever receive is not going to be found under a tree. It's going to be found because of what Jesus did on a tree for us. And then through that sacrifice, we have the presence of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. And as Drew described last week, once the Holy Spirit comes into our life, the Holy Spirit serves as our guide, our helper, and our source of power as we look and connect with the Father. Now think about this. Think of the candle once again. Our guide in the darkness, it is light. Our helper helps us to see where we're going, right? Our power, fire has power. It's, do you see the, the, the relation there? Yes, every illustration falls at some level, but do you see where we're going? And so the way that this traces out through us is as we come to the realization of what God is doing in our life through the power of his spirit, let's go back and read the end of Ephesians 3 verse 19 again. Here's the point. To know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. 
to know Christ's love that surpasses, in other words, you can't know all there is to know about God's love. So that it may be filled with all the fullness of God. Here's why this is so important. Church, do you want the Holy Spirit to be a source of strength, of power, of guidance, of, of certainty in your life? Then you have to chase after Jesus for your entire life. And the, the reason that we don't always do that is we come to a place where we think we know everything or we stop trying or, or, or we struggle. But as we know God, it's not just an empirical knowledge. In other words, the doctrine of what we've been discussing the last two months can't be just something that we know because the Bible says even the demons know that Jesus is God. But there needs to be a fire that comes with, from within, a, a something that takes a hold, that begins to consume us, that, that burns within, that allows us to have a difference for God in this world. Now, how do we do this? I'm glad you asked. That is a very intuitive question. If Ephesians chapters 1 through 3 are the doctrine of the what the church should believe, praise be to God has a plan. His name is Jesus. Jesus came for all of us, not just um, the, the, the Christians or the Jews, but he came for the Gentiles as well. And so we all have this wick within us that needs to be illuminated by the power of God. And God's plan is so that you and I might know the fullness of that. That's the doctrine. How do we practice that? That starts in chapter 4, verse 1, where he gets to the application. So when I read you the word therefore, you'll know what it's there for. It's there because the first three chapters are about the doctrine. And Ephesians 4, 1 says the following. Therefore, I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you received, to walk, to, to take the next step, to do the discipline of learning, training, and community, to say, I'm going to do my part to allow the Holy Spirit to take a hold and begin to do work in my life by staying on the focus and staying on the path of the pursuit of Jesus. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, there is one body and one Spirit just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. You see, there's one way. One way for us to live our purpose. There's one way for us to find the way that God wants us to live for Him, and that's by saying, I surrender to what the will of the Father is by allowing the Spirit to come in my life with gentleness, right? With humility. I think it begins with, as followers of Jesus, we must know and live out our purpose. Because when Paul says, therefore, walk worthy of the Lord, it, it doesn't mean show up to church occasionally and hope you get a little glimpse of what God's about. It doesn't mean that you, you, you take Sundays really seriously, but Monday through Saturday you live like you want. It doesn't even imply that, you know, you, you come and you give God his due, but then the rest of your life you get to give your due. No, it says, therefore, as prisoners of the Lord, therefore, as we are following Christ, therefore, as you understand that God came, that his story is all about all of our history, is that we walk with the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, therefore, with gentleness and humility, walk worthy, live out your purpose. So we've covered this before. There's 
two ideas of purpose there. One is the general purpose. And that general purpose is the fact that we all have a wick within us to carry the illustration. That the idea that God wants to do something and we are to be a light of the world, right? That as you begin to shine, it's, it's not just for your benefit, but you, you become a light to the darkness of the world around you. Matthew 28, 19 through 20, the Great Commission, right? Go into all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is the idea that we are called to go everywhere we are supposed to go. We are, we are supposed to share the light with others. But it's not just a general purpose. There is a specific purpose. In other words, you may look different than I am. I do. You may have better grammar than I do. But you have passions and abilities and context. And living out that purpose not only will impact you, but will impact the world around you. Let's chase this through. What does that really imply? What does that mean? That God made you with a distinct purpose, and that purpose is never junk. Right? So, how this might work out in the church. Let's say, I don't know, some of you feel called to play the drums, right? At least a couple of you, right? Not all of you are called to play the drums for Sunday mornings, right? In fact, what would it look like if Daniel Barry felt called to play the drums? It would look like chaos. My twin brother can play the drums. He's got that natural ability to annoy people with loud noises. I can barely make my left hand move with my right hand at the same time when I'm clapping, much less on an instrument like that, right? Now, I can play a little piano. I can fake it. But I'm not naturally gifted. But God has wired some of us, although a couple, to be drums. Now, if the drums are missing, then part of the band is missing. So let's take that into the larger scope of what we're talking about as in the church. The fact that you have a passion and you have an ability and you have a context. The fact that, that God has wired you individually means that some of you have the gift of hospitality while some of you don't. Some of you have the gift of sharing your faith. While we are all called to share our faith, it looks different to different people. Some of you have the gift of prayer. And while we're all called to prayer, some of you have the giftedness of doing that. Do you see what I'm saying? Very few of you are going to be called to preach. Amen. That's kind of what I'm called to do. Now, if you all came to say we're called to preach, I would argue, well, that's not the way the Spirit works because He has a purpose for your life. Now, here's the important thing. If you want to allow the Spirit to do its work, you have to light the flame, and the way the flame works is by living out your purpose. If you aren't letting your, living your purpose, you're not letting your light shine. If you aren't letting your light shine, you are covering your purpose. And what happens when you cover your purpose? You burn your hand. Ow. Um, in theory, you put out the flame, right? Because you're extinguishing what God wants to do in your life. Do you want to know how to stay steadfast to the Spirit? You got to know your purpose and you got to live it. Because a life that isn't lived for the glory of God is really self serving. And it says you're not really trusting in the power of what the Spirit wants to do 
you are stifling the spirit in your life and then you're going to wonder when the tragedy happens where the power of God is and he's like I'm here but you haven't lit the flame you see seeking Jesus example allows the Holy Spirit to keep our hearts in the right posture this is where the power of God takes hold. So if you think about it, let's chase this through. What, what, what this is, is there's the wick, right? But as we light that wick, what happens? It burns away the wax. This is a candle. And people like to buy candles that are pretty, Right? And that they smell good. But candles really, the essence of a candle is not what the wax is. The wax is just dressing. The heart of a candle is the wick. If there is no wick, there is no candle. Don't get me on electric candles. They're not candles. They're electric candles. Right? A candle has a wick. And as it burns, it will melt away the dressing of your life. It will melt away. So what would it look like if we said, okay, I'm going to live with a purpose? What if we recognize that this is just wax? Covering. That enables me to hold what God is doing in my life. And, and this was meant at the end of this life not to look like it was newborn. Amen. This was meant to be at the end of my life to look used. It was meant at the end of the day to be tired. It was meant at the end of a season to go and, and have a purpose and have a distinction. Maybe we need to stop trying to hold on to our youth and realize that this is designed to be used for the glory of God. And that the ultimate purpose of our life isn't to sit there and go, Woo, I hope I can retire so I can sit comfortably in my wax. I, I, I don't want to live my life without actually allowing the purpose of God in my life. So what would it look like if we realized if there is air in my lungs, if there are movements in my body, that I will live out my life for the purpose of the glory of God. And so when I go to the bank, I have a purpose. When I run into the cash register at the store, I'll apologize because I ran into them. But then after that, I'll say, how can I help you? When, I, when I'm at the Purdue game, I'm not going to be acting different than I am on Sunday morning, except I may be a little louder, but that's, I'm still a follower of Jesus. The light goes where I go. And when you live that light out in the way that God has wired you, you're allowing the Spirit to work. Let's talk a little bit more about that. What, what is that really? Y'all do realize the spirit means wind, right? Breath. What happens to a fire that has no wind or air? Come on, I'm in a room full of engineers. Well, that's why you didn't speak up. You all knew it. But you're like, we're engineers, we don't talk, Right? Now, if you want me to write it out in detailed forms, Ikea ain't got nothing on me, right? But a fire that has no oxygen suffocates. 
the Spirit of God must take hold and fan the flame of what Jesus wants to do in your life, allowing you to burn. So we, as followers of Jesus, look to Jesus, but it's the Spirit that fans the flame. Now here's the hard part, the difficult part. Yeah, the Holy Spirit will allow us to keep our posture, but the Holy Spirit is devoted to building up the Father's kingdom. And so should we, right? We should, we should be, our purpose should be about living to build up the Father's kingdom, but guess what? We don't always do that, even if we sometimes think we are, because, well, we can be self-seeking. We can be apathetic. Or, or we can even be routine and, and miss and, and kind of uh, diminish the power of what the Spirit wants to do in our life. So if we're self-seeking, this is the place where we realize that if I'm going to follow Jesus, I have to look a certain way. And when I look a certain way, I actually start getting benefits. So I don't know, let's say I'm a pastor, and I start preaching. And I start preaching, and y'all are like, wow, Daniel, that was really good. And I go, yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> Y'all should be scared by the fact that I could stand up here on a Sunday morning and do no preparation and fool some of you into thinking I'm speaking for the power of God. Because I've done this enough. And I can open up a Bible and I can tell you what it says because I have here, but if I'm not allowing the Spirit to shine and do its work, it becomes self-seeking. You could be self-seeking and not even realize it. So we have to constantly ask, Lord, am I building up the kingdom or is this about, I want everyone to think I'm holy. That I have this great ministry. The underwater basket weaving ministry is the most important ministry in the church. No, it's not. That's not even a real thing. But we can convince ourselves that our purpose is our identity. No, our identity is Christ. Our purpose is not our identity. Our purpose allows the Holy Spirit to shine through us. Our identity is a child of the King. With humility and gentleness and love. What about the idea of apathy? This is probably the most dangerous place we are in the church today, right? Apathy is the place where we'll say you get to the age of, I don't know, let's pick an age, 32. All my 32-year-olds in the room went like, why are you picking on me? 32 is a, is a very common age, okay? That's about the age that Jesus started doing his ministry. And, and let's say you get to 32, and some of you are like, I haven't seen the 32s in, since the 90s, right? Okay. It's just an age. But what happens a lot of time is we get to the place where we sit there and go, eh, I've arrived. I know what the Bible says. I've read the Bible 17 times. And, and what happens then is we quit growing. And when we quit growing, it's like we're putting a, a cover on what the Spirit wants to do in our life. You've probably heard me say this before, but the definition of a midlife crisis is realizing you will never arrive. So why do we think we can arrive with our relationship with Christ? What does it say in Ephesians chapter 3? We are to spend our lives in the pursuit of the knowledge of Jesus and his knowledge which surpasses all of our understanding. You can never know all there is to know about Christ. So once again, as long as there is air in my lungs, there's something more to find about the love of Christ. Let's pursue that. Let's not let apathy 
take hold. Some of us need to light the match because showing up twice a year does not mean you're a follower of Jesus. It's the pursuit of that intimate relationship with Jesus that does. What about routine? You're my people. My routine people who are like, I do my devotion every morning at 7.05, right after I've had my cup of coffee, which I set the night before, right? And I have an organized, and it can tell me what to read, and I read it. I'm going to write down some notes, but it doesn't sink in because you're in the routine. Routines are good as long as they actually lead to growth. Routine just for the sake of routine means nothing. Sometimes, spoiler, I have to shake up the routine to make sure it's real. That was free. But the here, here's the key, right? If the Holy Spirit is devoted to building up the kingdom, the Father's kingdom, then the Holy Spirit will guide and empower us to build up the Father's kingdom in love. There's one faith, one Lord, one baptism. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One Lord, one faith, one baptism is often misappropriated to say, why do we have all these denominations? See, we're not doing this right. That's actually not what that's talking about. One Lord is the idea of submission because when the Lord is, the Lord means he is our master. There is one Lord that we are all submitting to as followers of Jesus, okay? One faith is the idea that we believe that Jesus has been resurrected from the dead and that we surrender to him and we allow the Holy Spirit to do work. And the idea of baptism, when we do baptism, right, it's dying to the old way and being raised to a new life, but it's also immersing ourselves in the belief that God is who he says he is. So the idea of one Lord, one faith, one baptism means that you and 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 me and all of us who are followers of Jesus are called to do one thing, submit to the will of Jesus, allowing the Spirit to take hold and fanning the flame of what the Spirit wants to do in our life, believing that God has a purpose for us to help others make followers make followers of Jesus. That's the one faith. And the baptism says, I want to submerse myself in this. I'm, this is the impact. This is going back to the idea of when I was that little boy. I said, I don't want to be the person who walks through this anymore. I don't want to be the person who casually shows up anymore. I don't want to be the person who just does the routine anymore. I don't want to be the person who who takes my faith halfway anymore. Father, submerse me into the light of your hope, your purpose, and your value. And let me change for the glory of your name. And watch the wax of our souls melt away at his presence. The way we do that is we stay rooted in the Holy Spirit and we stay rooted in the love of God. You have to believe that through the idea of staying rooted in the love of God, we will help. And what would it look like if we understood that the one Lord, one faith, one baptism implies that we have the learning and the training community, the discipleship pathway we talk around here, but that that light should shine into everyone's lives. Let me put it to you like this way. If we all have individual purposes and we all have a bigger purpose, then as I live out my individual purpose, I'm building up the kingdom of God. So rather than going around looking for a church that meets your needs, rather than going around and church hopping because the pastor said something that was annoying to you, 
even though it was scriptural. Maybe you should come to the place where you say, Father, how do I need to serve you and serve your church? You want to know one of the most basic ways you can serve your church? Show up. Let me give you a little more inside information. If you're a student in this room and you don't come to student community, when you don't show up, you're not only robbing yourself, but you're robbing the other students of the purpose that God has in your life to speak into that community. Oh, that's good. Okay, adults, are you practicing that too? When you, when you take small group in a halfway, you're not robbing yourself as much as you're robbing everyone else there. You're robbing yourself too. When you don't use your gifts and your abilities, you're robbing the kingdom of God and you're not only extinguishing the flame in your life, but you're not shining a light. In other words, you're not helping the light of God to shine in everyone else's life. But when we get a picture of that, when we get, everybody loves the Christmas Eve service, right? Where we have the candles and we all like silent night. You know what I'm talking about. You light the candles and all is calm and we're like, well, I want to remember this forever. That doesn't have to be Christmas Eve. That can be every day of the year. Live your purpose. Fanning the flame of the Holy Spirit in your life. And share the kingdom of God. What keeps us from that? Fear. Fear of the unknown. We, we, we're afraid of what we don't know. I was talking with Drew about that uh, this last week, and he's like, Daniel, that's, that's definitely what keeps us, is, is the fear of if I really surrender to God, he's going to call me to go witness to the penguins in Antarctica. I know it. Do y'all really feel like God doesn't like you that much? Or, for all my college students in the room who have dealt with this a thousand times, if I really surrender to God, he's going to tell me to be single. I know it. Well, if he does, he'll equip you and make you excited about it. But God's not actually out to try to ruin your life. He's actually to give you surrender to him. When you surrender to him, that was the lie that the enemy told Adam and Eve in the garden. You're missing out. No, you're not. Don't fear missing out. Surrender to God because God knows him more. And as you chase after Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to take root, immerse yourself and trust him because God does not make mistakes. And this is where the glory of God comes. So as we chase this through, there's more I could cover, but I'm going to just go on to this part today. As we chase this through next week, we're going to be starting to talk about, because believe it or not, there's a holiday before Christmas. I know. And we need to give it at least one week's attention. It's called Thanksgiving. And, and this week, I, I actually want to encourage you to, to prepare your heart for Thanksgiving. I know. Because thanksgiving is where we will praise. And when we praise God, we do not fear God. At least fear what he will do to us. We actually fear him in an appropriate, righteous way. Thanksgiving is the ignition, the lighter, so often, that was supposed to light, it didn't. <laughs> the spark the retraining of the way that we view our world. And, and let's be honest, far too often what we are is negative, consumed with ourselves, and constantly looking into our own best interest. So here's our daily training this week. 
I want you each day to posture your heart to notice at least one way God is moving. And when you notice, pause and give him thanks. Monday, what does that look like? Tuesday, what does that look like? Thursday, what does that look like? Now, bonus, I want you to bring these books back starting next week. This is Luke. If you don't know about this, we are going through the book of Luke from Christmas through Easter. You can buy these. You can sign up outside. You can scan the QR code on the back of one of those screens, and we'll show you where to do it. They're five bucks. But in all these books, what it is is the scripture on one side and then a place to take notes. We're going to be going through this for four months. We strongly encourage you to have this. Husbands, you too. Don't make your wife do all the work. Seriously. And as you do this, I want you to, to think about this, okay? Here's what I'd like you to do this week. In the back, there's some notes. Bring this next week, even though we're not going to do Luke next week. We're going to do something. I'd like you to challenge you. The bonus material is write it Monday. What's one way you notice God move and give him thanks? Tuesday, write one thing. And some of you are like, that sounds awesome. I'm ready to do it. You're my people. Some of you are like, I don't like being told what to do. You can't make me. Well, you're my people too, but you need to let the Holy Spirit work. Because you see, there's something about us doing stuff in community together. So if you can put down your pride for just a moment and realize if you're always doing what you want to do, that's a problem. This week, would you take this challenge seriously? If you're six years old, you can do this challenge. If you're 96, you can do this challenge. Would you look for a way God is moving? Because God is good. And so when the difficult times come, you'll already know he's good. In the struggles, you'll know he's good. So if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, we'd love to talk to you more about that at the end of the service. There'll be a couple people up front. We'd love to pray with you. If you just need to come and gather for a place to pray, come talk to us and, and pray with us as we go forward. Right here, right now, let's just pause and give God his due. God, we thank you for who you are. And we ask this morning that you would move and breathe in our lives. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing. Spirit, move. And Jesus, as we approach this upcoming season of the holidays, as we approach 2023, we pray that the best days are ahead because we've learned to surrender to you more. For you to move in an, a way that right now we can't comprehend, but is so beyond our expectations. That our posture is one of praise and awe that we would glorify your name, that, that marriages would be saved, that careers would be refocused with purpose, that moments would not be just walked through, that the struggles would have new hope. Father, that you are good and faithful, that we would be able to count how awesome and amazing you are because you are loving and kind, you are just, you are the discipline, but you are fair and you are righteous, you are holy and wonderful. You are all-consuming love and fire, and we give you your honor and glory and the praise that you are due, because you are good. In your name we pray. Amen.